Hey, this is Lori from Hike, where we share stories that inspire us to explore, wander, and live. Today's guest is Gabby Gilmer. She recently through-hiked the Arizona Trail. Gabby's story will inspire you to really understand that no matter what life throws your way or what you thought might happen but actually doesn't happen could be a blessing in disguise. So let's talk to Gabby, find out what her mission was for hiking and how she came from training to be an Olympian to through hiking the Arizona Trail. Hi, so I'm here with Gabby Gilmer today and she recently did a through hike of the Arizona Trail and I wanted to, you know, get a chance to talk to her about it and some other things that, um, that led her to do the Arizona Trail and, and how that all went. So welcome. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Lori. I'm really excited to uh, share my story. Yes, yes. So first, I guess share with the listeners about just a little bit about yourself and um, what drew you to hiking long distance. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll start from back when I was in high school, I played soccer and I was uh, training for the Olympics and signed to play soccer in college, but I blew out my knee three times and my doctor advised me to stop playing soccer. So this was a pretty devastating experience for me. And once I started college, I uh, found myself longing for this need to still be an athlete. And uh, so I started doing various athletic activities ranging from triathlons to rock climbing. And hiking became something that I was really interested in. Um, and after my freshman year, my little brother and I, we grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we drove over to Georgia and hiked the Appalachian Trail approach trail. And uh, I read a little bit about the Appalachian Trail on signs on the approach trail, and it sounded really cool to me. So I decided to get into backpacking. Okay, so you really still wanted to do something athletic. If yes. your soccer career wasn't going to go as maybe you thought it would go you decided to, you know, hike, to climb, to backpack. Mm -hmm. When I was reading, because I did have a chance, um, you did do a trail journal out there, and I'll put the, the link, of course, in the show notes. But you were first going to do the whole entire Appalachian Trail. And so that was been on your mind or was on your mind for, for quite a while. So I guess mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about, you know, what were your thoughts leading up to that and, um, and what happened you, um, I guess, in that planning period of hiking the AP? Yeah, yeah. So I started planning to hike the Appalachian Trail after uh, I completed my freshman year of college. And because I knew I wanted to go to medical school, the big thing for me was hiking, doing a long hike takes a long period of time. And I needed to figure out when exactly I um, could hike something like this. And given the fact that I had already had three knee surgeries in my head, it was an, okay, this is probably something I should make a high priority and try to do sooner in my life rather than later. 
and I figured a gap year between undergraduate and um, medical school was the best time to do so. Um, and shortly after I decided I, that Appalachian Trail was something I was interested in, I was chatting with uh, my best friend, Michael, and he was also interested in hiking the Appalachian Trail. So we started um, planning out, you know, how this was going to work logistically, as well as making sure that we were prepared at the time, I had never gone backpacking before. Um, Michael had a little bit of experience. So in order to prepare, we would, at the end of each semester, we'd go on a week-long backpacking trip to various national parks um, and test out gear to see what we liked, figure out food, how that was going to work. Um, and... Uh, yeah, just logistical things, figuring out, you know, pacing, uh, what we needed, what we didn't need, that kind of stuff. Um, and leading. So I guess, let's see, um, a year before um, we were supposed to go start hiking, um, we went to the Smokies. And by the end of that trip, um, Michael was kind of having some doubts about whether he wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail and uh, ended up deciding he didn't want to. So I that last you know six months preparing for the trail was very emotionally confusing for me. I was really questioning whether I could do something like this by myself and then also trying to figure out um, the logistics of, you know, very specific dates. When was I gonna start? When was I going to finish? Uh, when was the med school I was attending going to start? Was I going to have time? So it felt kind of like, even though I'd been planning this for three plus years, uh, at the very last second, everything was falling apart and I was having to kind of scramble to get everything put together. At what point then did you say, okay, well, maybe I won't do the AT, but there's going to be another like long distance hike that I can do and I'll still get kind of that, um, you know, that ability to get out there, do a through hike um, and, you know, go from there. So the idea first popped into my head around December of 2018 because I was starting to lean towards going to the University of Pittsburgh for medical school. And they had a research rotation that started in June 3rd. Um, and the earliest I'd be able to start the Appalachian Trail was February 4th. And if you do the math, that's a pretty aggressive hiking pace. So I wasn't entirely sure if that was logistical to hike that quickly um, over yeah, that period of time. Um, and, but I was really, for some reason, I was really set on doing the AT. I felt like, yeah, I had been planning on doing that specific trail for so long that I shouldn't change my plans. And I had done so much research on the AT. I was worried I was going to be ill prepared for another trail. Um, but then I guess it was like two or three weeks before I was about to start the polar vortex happened and that was kind of the final red flag to me that, oh, this is in this short of a time period. I have, you know, no snow hiking experience. Um, 
this just isn't going to work. I need to change my plans. Um, and at some point in the preparation, I read a book that I can't remember the name of now, but it had a list of a bunch of long trails and the Arizona trail was one that was listed in there. And I felt like given the time period and the time of the year that I had to hike, um, that that was a great alternative. So that's when I started doing research on the Arizona trail. So that's interesting too, because we'll get into it probably a little bit later as we talk about your actual hike on the EZT. Um, you were talking about the snow and (laughs) that you did encounter snow by reading your journal. So yeah, so we'll talk about, you know, that experience, but, um, so, you know, you were going to go with a friend, um, you know, your best friend, and then that falls through and then you think, okay, now I'm going to do the Arizona trail. Um, did you feel like you had a good support system in place? Did, you know, were, what was your family, your other friends thinking, you know, what did Michael say about you now deciding to do a different trail? So everyone was super supportive. I definitely couldn't have done it without my family and friends. Michael was probably my biggest support throughout the trail. Anytime something went wrong, I would call him and he would help me, whether it was trying to figure out where I was uh, because I got lost quite a bit or just in general, moral support and chatting. Um, My dad kept my dog while I was gone, which was obviously very helpful. Um, My mom kept all of my clothes and like just my furniture and stuff from my old apartment. Um, And I had a short list of friends that were constantly checking in. One of the PhD students I worked with took care of some research stuff for me while I was gone. So I was definitely couldn't have done it without my friends and family. As far as changing my plans, how everyone felt, my parents were kind of rolling with the punches and were cool with the whole thing. They were a little nervous about me being alone, but they, for the most part, trusted me and figured I was probably safer in the middle of nowhere, Arizona, than in a big city, to be completely honest. Um, I had one friend who bought me some pepper spray and a taser to take with me for safety purposes but for the most part everyone was cool with rolling with my plans so how did you feel about doing it alone uh so at first i was really nervous about doing it alone i'm not very good at being alone with myself so my primary concern was can i be with myself alone that often as far as the actual hiking part of it uh physically i felt like i could do it alone. Mentally, I felt like it would be challenging, but something that I could uh, achieve. And But the big thing to me that was concerning was safety. I just really wasn't sure if it was safe for as a woman to go out on a trail alone. So back in September, when I was still thinking I was going to do the Appalachian Trail, I reached out to a bunch of other women who had hiked the trail alone and asked for their opinions. And I was very reassured to hear that on the Appalachian Trail, um, and now I can say on the Arizona Trail, that everyone is a family out there. There's a great support network once you're physically there. um, And they never ran into any issues while on the trail. So hearing that from other female solo hikers was probably the most reassuring thing in my preparation for the hike. 
and so I mean we know that the AT obviously has I mean it's a, a social trail there there's a lot of people that through hike it not so right much, um, for the Arizona Trail but I think there's a lot of probably section hikers day hikers and so on so you know how much I guess of your hiking well we know we started out alone but how much did you really spend on your own um, I would say I was by myself on the trail probably all but three weeks of the entire hike. And um, for those three weeks, one, two of the weeks I was hiking with two other through hikers. And the other week, I w- my little brother came out and visited uh, for his spring break. So we hiked together along with another through hiker. So most of it was alone, and I would say depending on the section of the trail, I would maybe see one or two day hikers or mountain bikers if I was near a town, but if it was a more remote section of trail, I'd go the entire day without seeing another person. And at first, that really bothered me, and I was very nervous about the maintainability of that little human interaction. But by the end of the trail, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. And I think it was the right type of environment as far as uh, human interaction for me. So let's talk about your start. So when did you start? What was the, the, you said in February? Yes, yeah, I started February 11th. February 11th. Okay, so from what I've heard about the Arizona Trail is that at the start, pretty much um, you have to tackle pretty big, big climb to yes. start up is what, uh, is what Matt Nelson had, had told me from the Arizona Trail Association. So but tell me about, I guess, what are some of the challenges you face besides like, okay, this is just all in. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not starting out in like a, a flat piece. <laughs> um, besides that, you know, what was the navigation like and, um, and things like that? It's, it's not, it's clearly marked, you know, it's not like the white blazes of the AT. So yeah, there's a little bit more of a technical challenge there. Yes, absolutely. So the thing I struggled with the most at the beginning was definitely navigation. When Michael, so this was first off my first trip alone. And uh, almost every single trip I had taken or backpacking trip I had taken prior to then had been with Michael and Michael was always in charge of navigation. And it was very obvious, very quick to me that I had zero navigation skills. Um, So my first mistake was that I did not realize that gut hook, the Arizona trail map app, um, you only had to have GPS signal to use the app. And I thought you had to have cell service. So the first four days, I wasn't using the app because I didn't have cell service. So I assumed it was useless. And I realized very quickly that I'm not the best at reading maps and uh, using a compass. But yeah, the Arizona Trail is not very well marked in a lot of sections at the beginning you go through a lot of cow pastures. So there will be cow trails off of the actual trail. And unless you have that GPS app, there's absolutely no way to tell which one is which. So you have to go test out each one and then figure out which one's the right trail. And that was very frustrating for me. And the other thing that happened was there was a trail reroute that was 
not well marked. Um, and so I got very turned around on the, the reroute. So yeah, there was, that was probably the most challenging part for me at the beginning. So how did you cope with that? And what were some strategies you used? Um, Cause I know that would stress me out. Yeah. Yeah. It was very stressful. So initially I would say I did not do a good job coping with it. I would uh, kind of just freak out and, um, scramble around, try to figure out the, you know, which one was the trail and probably spend like two minutes crying and then get myself together and continue on. But once I got a little more experience with uh, getting lost, I'd just take a deep breath and think about the fact that, you know, at the very uh, basics of the universe, I am a collection of atoms and I've been placed in this environment. And when you put atoms together, they react. And this reaction has led me to a spot that is not where I think I'm supposed to be, but it's exactly where I'm supposed to be because chemistry follows the laws of physics. Um, which is very technical and a kind of a silly way to look at it. Um, but it made, it gave me some peace of mind just knowing that I'm not really lost. And the other thing was keeping in mind that I knew where I came from. So I could, worst case, I could turn around and go exactly the way I came and be okay. I wasn't going to starve to death or anything. That's a great um, way to think about it, to bring in some science in there to kind of uh, calm you down because yeah, if you're thinking about it just from an emotional standpoint, I know that I would be freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> Were there was there any point though through I mean, maybe especially in the beginning stages where you just, you know, maybe thought, Hey, this might not be, you know, for me, this you know, maybe this isn't the trip I need to take. Yes, yeah. So after I got lost on the reroute, I called Michael and I was like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to get off the trail. And so I hiked back to Patagonia. And the thing that kept me on the trail was I met another through hiker named Mandy. So I got back to Patagonia and I went to the hotel I had stayed at the night before. And I asked if they had another room. They informed me they didn't, but there was another through hiker who was willing to share her room. So I went to Mandy's room and she welcomed me with open arms and was just an absolute joy to talk to. She reminded me why I got out there, even though she didn't realize I was thinking about quitting, but just her energy about the trail. Um, yeah, just talking to someone who was also struggling a little bit. It was just, it really reminded me why I was out there and, you know, what I was trying to do and that this isn't going to be an easy journey, but it's going to be worth it in the end. And yeah, you just get so much out of it. So I would say that was, one of the big moments early on where I thought about quitting. Um, and then the second time where I actually did end up quitting, but got back on was after um, the second big snowstorm in Arizona. So I was then the main reason there was uh, the trail conditions were at that point awful. The, I had, fallen through a frozen lake and dislocated my kneecap. So I was really worried about my safety and ability to navigate the trail. And it just seemed like it was going to be too much to try to carry on alone in those conditions. 
So it sounds like the universe, though, in the beginning, by meeting Mandy, it kind of gave you that pep talk and said, hey, yeah, you can do this. You can keep going. Right. Um, when you were encountering, you know, the struggle of the snowy conditions and, and everything like that, what about the people that, you know, the trail angels and others who were kind of from behind the scenes, I guess, helping you kind of keeping motivated and, and keeping going. We hear a lot about trail angels on, you know, the AT or maybe even the PCT, but what's it like in, on the Arizona Trail? So the trail angels on the Arizona Trail are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the Arizona Trail has a, on their website, a list of the trail angels with their phone numbers and emails. And every single person I interacted with was so welcoming they were so knowledgeable of the area. Most of them were outdoorsy people and knew something about at least that section of trail. Um, I've, I felt it like I was a part of the family every time I'd get to a trail angel's house. I was really blown away by the uh, yeah people I met and just the meaningfulness of these conversations I had with them. Um, yeah, just their willingness to offer a random stranger a place to stay, a shower, some food. Um, but as far as motivation and chatting about like logistics of the trail and whatnot, all of the trail angels that I met, every time I'd come into town, they would be like, this is, you know, a crazy wet season here. Like we never have this much snow, you know, be careful out there. If you get out there and the snow's too, like, call me, I'll come get you. Um, they were all very aware that the conditions for this past, or at least in February, were really abnormal um, and were all super flexible and willing to help out where they could. Um, a lot of them went way out of their way to help me get to a better section of trail um, rather than trying to do a true northbound hike. Um, it was yeah, couldn't have done the hike without them either. It was really amazing how helpful they all were. So how would you describe the Arizona Trail to someone who, you know, hasn't been out there? Yeah, um, I would say it is a an extremely diverse trail. You will see so many different things and it's way more challenging than what meets the eye. I know I thought uh, given that it's, you know, 800 miles and in desert that it was going to be pretty flat and straightforward and it was nothing like that. The conditions change so quickly. Um, a lot of other, you know, I, this was my first long through hike, um, but a lot of the other through hikers I talked with said this was way more challenging than the PCT or AT, just given how quickly the conditions change, the water situation, the elevation. Um, but I would say it's a beautiful, beautiful hike. Yeah, I mean, when I look out on the, you know, the Arizona Trail Association website, you know, one of the first things I had seen was this, you know, basic graphic that said, you know, it shows the elevation changes, and I think it's over, what, 110,000 feet of cumulative gain through those yeah. miles, and you see these spikes of up and down, and, and it, you know, it looks challenging. Yeah. Um, so, was there a certain section that you felt was the most uh, challenging for you? 
Yes, definitely. I would say the most challenging section was the superstitions. Um, mm. And I don't think that section is normally this challenging. I think a lot of it had to do with the weather from this particular year. Um, but I got to the superstitions after the first big snowstorm of the February month. And uh, there were trees down everywhere. Sections of the trail were flooded. At times, I didn't feel like I was hiking. I was going through an obstacle course because I was like crawling in the mud um, for several sections. Um, yeah, it was it was very brutal. <laughs> that's for sure. But um, I would say as far as elevation wise, the most challenging part was definitely the Grand Canyon. So with the Grand Canyon, um, so challenging from the elevation, mm -hmm. I've heard from people, you know, who have I've talked to who've been out in that section and said that's their most favorite or the most beautiful. Did you have a favorite section? Yeah, I think my favorite section was Saguaro National Park and the Rincon Mountains. That particular section, I there was a light snow, so it was beautiful to see all these saguaro cacti with the snow glaze on them um and that section was the section i saw the least amount of people so it was very serene it was very peaceful and it just felt so yeah just pure and natural i really enjoyed it for that reason so you said at some point you got off so you didn't hike it straight northbound, did you? Did you have a little bit of kind of uh, maneuvering around things? Yes, I did a lot of flip-flopping. <laughs> what was that like? Did you, you know, was it just because of the weather conditions, like you said, you, you intended to hike straight northbound? Yes, yeah. So it had to do with the weather conditions and also um, the fact that I was meeting my little brother at the Grand Canyon for his spring break. So due to his transportation, I needed to make sure I was there by a certain date. Um, but most of my flip-flopping was due to the weather, trying to meet my little brother. And then at the end, um, I, w I wanted to hike a certain section with a fellow through hiker. So I yeah changed my path a little bit so that I could hike with him. You did journal, you know, before, during, and after the hike. And quote that I read, well, I read in your journal, I feel like one skill I have learned while on the trail is to only attempt to control what is actually in my control. And, you know, I thought that was so poignant of kind of life itself, but also your situation on the trail. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me more about the decision of, you know, journaling and, you know, do you always, were you always someone who wrote in a journal or, or what were your thoughts about documenting your hike? Yeah, so I have journaled in the past, but most of the time it's been kind of mindless journaling where I never go back and read it. And it's more so as like a release, not something to document some journal or journey, excuse me. Um, but I decided to journal partially because I had a lot of friends and family who were asking me about the trail and I didn't want to have to tell the same story um, 800 times. Um, but the other part of it was this was a very unique experience to me. And 
I really wanted to be able to remember the day-to-day moments of the trail. And I felt like this journey, this hiking journey was very analogous to life itself. And I wanted to be able to look back at this and kind of take life lessons from the trail and apply them back to life and kind of remind myself of the perspective I had on the trail and why I was hiking, you know, like why I was choosing the life path that I chose and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I did it primarily for myself, but also to let others who were interested kind of know about what I was up to. And I mean, that's what I, when I was reading your journal entries, you did have a lot of, okay, well, you know, yes, I got to this point or, or this, or who you were, you know, meeting with or your situation of, you know, the trail magic, but you also spent a lot of, of time in your journaling process kind of contemplating and being reflective and just trying to be more self-aware mm-hmm. about this hike. So, you know, in one of your um, entries, you talk about, you know, I've learned something deeper about myself. I have gotten to know myself better. I've become stronger and this process is continuous. So how did, how did that really feel when you were you know, on the trail, going through it and saying, okay, well, all these things, these obstacles that are in my way, they're just making me stronger. Yeah. So I kind of have this. So before getting on the trail, I made this list of inspirational quotes to, I guess, read to myself that uh, would, you know, kind of pick me up when I was down. And one thing that I found that really has applied to my life very recently and really on the trail was this concept of evolve or die. It was like, well, you know, this is hard. You got to figure out how, a way to get through it. And that's just kind of, you know, life, I don't know, survival at its very most basic concept. And, you know, I kind of found that in order to hike the trail and both complete it and enjoy it, I had to change something about my mindset and find the optimism uh, in the situations and find the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Uh, I know reflecting and talking back with Michael now that I'm off the trail, one thing he noted was that normally when I hike, I'm, I'm very pessimistic and kind of a realist almost, but on a long hike like this where everything's kind of going against you at times, you've got to look at the positive and in order to enjoy it, really. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you, I mean, just by hearing your story, you're obviously very positive about it. It was a life-changing experience. I've talked to some people who have done you know, long distance hiking and then they get off the trail and then they go through, you know, depression or, you know, the post trail blues uh, per se. So um, how long ago was it that you finished? Um, I finished on April 16th. Okay. So about a month now. Yeah. Uh, so how has that month gone? Do you feel like you've gone through some um, emotional up and downs or? Yeah. So I definitely feel like there's been some ups and downs getting off the trail. For one thing, I'm currently transitioning to about to start medical school. And so I've had a lot of free time over the past month to move and get settled in Pittsburgh. 
Um, and I think having all that free time has kind of made me reflect a lot and um, on my journey and, you know, what, what the future is going to look like. Um, but one thing I found when I first got back off the trail is that a lot of the bad habits and bad thought patterns I had prior to the trail that uh, I had corrected uh, on the trail were coming back. And so I realized that, you know, while I had done all this personal work on the trail in order to actually make this a life uh, trajectory, I had to continue working on these skills, which on paper, I knew I had to do that. But in practice, it was a little more difficult than I anticipated. Then there was also the, you know, I on the trail, you're walking all day and exercising a lot. So I lost about 15 pounds on the trail. And since getting off, I've gained a little bit of weight, which it hasn't been, you know, it's just gaining that weight back. Um, and that's been a little more challenging to deal with than I anticipated. But overall, I would say it, I expected the post trail blues to be a lot worse than they were. And I've my friends and family have still been really supportive and I've been able to talk to them about how I'm feeling even after the trail. No, it's good. I think a support system, of course, is very important no matter you know, where you're at in life. And especially as you're now, um, like you said, you're moving, right? You're going mm -hmm. um, to med school and so you're starting a whole new uh, chapter. Yes. So besides all of that, right? Besides like college <laughs> thing um, of what's happening with, with you know your your goal in life of um, for for med school. Like, what are you thinking about for hiking? You know, after doing the Arizona Trail, what what do you want to do next? Yeah, so I made a list of shorter long hikes that I really want to do, and I'm trying to figure out where within my medical career I can fit them in. Um, after the first years of medical school, you take your first board exam and you get eight weeks off to study for the exam. But if you take the exam early, then you just get eight weeks off. So I definitely plan to do something during that time period. I'm not entirely sure what, you know, I have the next two years to kind of plan it out. Um, I, during my PhD phase of my training, I'm planning on taking two to three weeks off at some point, uh, during a summer to go do possibly the John Muir trail or some other, uh, again, shorter through hikes. And one thing that happened while I was on the trail was I became really close with a lot of the trail angels that I stayed with and, I'm actually planning on going back uh, this upcoming May and visiting a couple of them. One of the trail angels I stayed with, he's actually an orthopedic surgeon. So he offered mm -hmm. to let me come to a, a medical rotation in his office in Arizona. Um, and then one of the other through hikers I hiked with and I have made tentative plans to meet up and hike again some other time. So no specific plans right now for hiking. Um, in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of local hiking. So I've definitely been, you know, hiking short range, but um, other any long term specific plans I haven't gotten to just yet. But that's so cool about how hiking and the trail just 
brings people together. I mean, you're in, even in meeting people that are going to help you, you know, in your career and, and not just right. the friendship aspect of it. So yeah. definitely has been part of a, I'm sure, you know, an amazing continued journey for your yes. life. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the cool things about through hiking is the journey doesn't stop or start when you get on and off the trail. You know, it's I realized so at the beginning or I guess even before I started hiking, when I was trying to go back and forth between whether I wanted to do the Appalachian Trail, I talked to a couple of my coworkers at the NIH and I was expressing my concerns for being able to finish the Appalachian Trail and they were like, you know, we're not that into backpacking. Why does it matter if you finish the trail? And I was like, no, no, no. That's like the most important part. And as I was out there hiking the Arizona trail, that became so unimportant to me. It, it became much more about the skills I was learning and the uh, self-awareness I was gaining about myself and the peace of mind I was gaining. And it became a lot less about, about the miles and the elevation, more so about what was happening inside of my head. That's a really interesting way to put it about, you know, what you learned from the trail. So yeah. for people that are thinking about um, hiking the Arizona trail and doing their own through hike or maybe section hike, what kind of words of wisdom would you give them or? Yeah, I would say to that if you want to do it, go do it. It's one of those things where, you know, I tried to plan this thing out four years in advance and it all the planning in the world. I mean, planning is good. I'm not trying to say planning is bad, but I think just getting out there and doing it is the best thing to do. And um, yeah, like it's a wonderful hike. It's not easy, but it's one of the best things I've ever done. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who's has any kind of interest in the outdoors. I think that's some great advice. And like you said, all the planning in the world doesn't necessarily, you know, change things. When you're out there, you're going to be faced with different challenges, faced with, you know, things that you hadn't anticipated because you can't anticipate everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, really about what you're, what you're reacting to and, and how, you know, you had said before about attempting to control what's actually in your control. Exactly. I think focusing on the things that you can control, which the thing you have the most control over is your attitude and outlook on the situation and having the best attitude will make or break your hike. Um, if you aren't in the right mindset, then it's, it's going to be a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very long, very long hike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Gabby, thank you for coming on and sharing your story and, telling us a little bit more about what you experienced and, and how you learned from being on the trail. Of course, you have your trail journal, but how, what are some other ways that people can connect with you and maybe you know, share their, their own stories or questions with you about um, the Arizona Trail? Yeah, so I have an Instagram and a Twitter, um, which I can send to you, Lori, to link um, or put in the, the description of this uh, podcast. And then I also can be reached uh, by email at gabbygilmer at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah, any of those contacts are people are more than welcome to reach out to ask specific questions about anything about the trail or, yeah, how it's 
connected back to my life. I love talking about the trail. I probably talk about it too much. So um, yeah, any, if anyone has any questions about it, I'd be happy to address them. Okay, I'll make sure I add all the ways to reach you in the show notes. And I don't think that anyone can talk too much about the trail. So <laughs> that's Perfect. fine. Um, but yeah, thanks again. And I look forward to seeing what you do next. And good luck with starting med school. Thank you. And thank you so much again for having me and letting me talk about the trail. Like I said, I love talking about it. So this was really a joy to get to chat with you about it. Well, you're welcome. And I appreciate you being on. Thanks again for listening to my conversation with Gabby. If you want to read her trail journal or just connect with her on social media, please go ahead and visit my show notes. Also, I want to thank you for supporting the show. If you're interested in ways to support the show and get the word out about it, please also visit the link in my show notes and connect with me. Send me an email, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I would love to hear from you and learn more about what you would like to see next on hike. Until next time, see you on the journey.